Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pod on You Loons. Yeah. Hey, guys. Pod on You Loons. How's it going? We have a special guest today, Sam. Special guest is my friend, Nate. Nate and I taught together for some time, and Nate is a, a big fan of soccer, coach of soccer, and Nate has a big role with uh, Minneapolis City SC, um, and he's here to talk some soccer with us today. Thanks for having me, guys. We're pumped to have you here. Typically, anyone we've we've invited before, their their main credentials is just what accent they have. So, <laughs> <laughs> Nate, you kind of have an accent, though. You've been around the block a little bit. Been around the block, mostly when I try and speak different languages. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, you guys are you guys are about on par for American uh, soccer journalism from the '90s. All you got to have is the accent. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Now I got to give James some credit. Now I'm going to rip on him because he's my friend, right? And I've been in a fantasy football league with him for almost a decade. So I'm going to rip on the guy. Since the lockdown, our two most listened to episodes are the two that he's been on. Yeah, it's because he has an accent, Sam. It's because he has an accent. I want to <laughs> also bring up another stat that I got about the episodes that James has been on is that our female listenership is about three to four points higher on those two episodes as well. He's bringing in the female listeners. So awesome. I, <laughs> I know he has a, he has a girlfriend, but it's a, it's a good thing that he's across the pond because the American girls, they must like the guy. Sam, this isn't ripping. You're giving, you're giving like an infomercial for the guy. You know? <laughs> no, I'll, we'll rip on him later. I mean, Justin, uh, before we get going, I just got to ask as someone that worked all weekend, uh, and did not get to watch the Bundesliga. How are your LG Twins going in the Korean baseball organization? And then how are your uh, newly beloved Dortmund and Bundesliga? How How is your exposure to that? Hey, it's been a great weekend. Uh, first of all, LG Twins, uh, I only made the mistake of uh, getting up super early to watch a game once because their games are on at like, it's like 2 in the morning or like 3 a.m., but the good news is I just record it on my DVR and just watch it in the morning while I work. So, you know, like they're, they're not like flooding my social media with scores and stuff. So I can just have ignorance while I watch the game, even though it's happened like four or so hours ago. The good news is LG Twins are in second place. They have one of the hottest hitters in this guy named Roberto Ramos that's just hitting home runs like crazy. Uh, so that's been super fun. It's super fun to have latched onto a good team. There's a couple teams that are like one in one in ten, so I'm very thankful. Sorry, KT Wiz, I'm sure you're great, but uh, I would have not been happy if that was the team I picked. Uh, the the best team, however, NC Dinos. I'm kind of jealous I didn't pick them. I'm happy I'm a Twins fan, but they have a a mascot that's a giant dinosaur named named Swole Daddy. Or <laughs> it's like what? Like okay, should think about that a little bit more. But well, so if you ever great. got a custom jersey made, you could put Swole <laughs> Daddy on the back. There you go. And he's this jack dinosaur. That's like the that's what he is, right? Barusa Dortmund. I gotta be able to learn how to say it right, but uh it was fun to watch. They went up super fast. So like it wasn't a it wasn't like a it was entertaining because I think they won 4-0. It was it was fun to watch. It was different without the fans. It felt like and I said this to Sam when I was texting. It reminded my wife actually brought this up. It reminded us of a preseason game we watched this year. It feels like it was forever ago, but this year between the Loons and in Portland Timbers. 
So like they had like four people in the stands in the soccer games going on. So it just kind of feels bizarre, but that was Boris Dortmund in their giant stadium that holds what, like 80,000 people just empty, but four goals. The first one was by my favorite player. That's been my favorite player my whole life. The last week, the Norwegian guy, Holland. I can't, I got to remember his first name, but he is good. I'm sure Nate knows about him. Nate, are you a big, are you a big knowledgeable? Yeah. So Irvin Holland made a name for himself at the U 20 world cup a couple of years ago. He scored 11, was it 11, nine or 11 goals in one match against? Wow. Somebody. They beat some team like 13 oh, he, nothing. And he was the guy that did that. I remember yeah, that. Being the guy who did that. And he uh, took the Bundesliga by storm when fans in a soccer stadium was still a thing and scored like scored hat tricks in his like first two games. I think he had like, like seven goals in his first three games or something like that. And then he's just been on fire and he's not even 20. He- Right, he's he's is he how old is he? Nineteen? Like nineteen or twenty. He might That's be not- twenty now. But yeah, so and they bought him they bought him in January from uh Salzburg, I believe. Okay. Yeah, so he's he's good. Like he was really fun to watch. And he's he's six four and he flies around. It's crazy. So his I feel like he's gonna do not be... reflect his speed. I will tell you that right now. What's that? His FIFA stats do not reflect his true speed. <laughs> FIFA has a history of getting people wrong though, right? But he's, yeah, it was fun to watch. I think I picked the right team to hop on. It's only been one game, but we'll see. How did your team do, Sam? I don't know if I'm going to call them my team. I <laughs> Since Hertha Berlin came to Minnesota and then went to my hometown in Madison last summer, I followed them on social media. So I've just kind of said, during this, I'm going to just root for Hertha Berlin. There have been... I think they're comfortably mid-table, so I just want to cheer for them to avoid relegation. Uh, they they also won. I already forgot who they played against. Again, I did not get to watch. I worked all weekend long, you know, just the whole being a parent during the week when you should normally be working. You end up working during the weekend uh, because your daycare is closed. So I did not get to watch any Bundesliga. I hope to this weekend, and then maybe for the next podcast, I'll have something to add. Nate, do you have a team in the Bundesliga? I do. I uh, have followed Dortmund for a number of years now, dating back to the Jurgen Klopp years when they made the Champions League final and lost on PK or lost an extra time to to Bayern. I just have always liked the way that they cultivate young talent and then still manage to do stuff in Europe. So fantastic, Sam. Maybe we'll have to do a, a podcast where you bring Nate and James on, and we just talk about Dortmund the whole time. Sure. Sure. I, <laughs> I I mean I, I like Christian Pulisic. He was on Dortmund uh last year, so that that can be my contribution and then we'll just move on from there. <laughs> and they and they have the next Wonder Kid American Wonder Kid too, right, Nate? Uh they do. Uh Claudio Reyna, who was a midfielder in the nineties and early two thousands for the national team. His son Gio uh is seventeen and recently signed a first team contract with Dortmund. And has been getting some run. He was actually slated to start on Saturday, and then he injured himself in warmups. Gotcha. Yeah, he was one of the ones that I was pointing out, uh, Sam, when we talked before of my newly found fandom. Yep. I saw Reyna. I I, I I looked at it's all because of Wikipedia, Nate. I just I looked at the team's Wikipedia pages, and I saw the Norwegian flag for Holland. So I was like, okay, 
Norwegian. I'm in. And then I saw I saw Reina, and I was like, wait, an American flag next to it. I was like, wait, that's a that's a famous soccer name in America. So I got I was sold. I was sold. Well, and uh, Hertha Berlin has um, Klinsmann's son, I believe. And for a while, had Klinsmann as the manager for a hot second. Yeah, but they don't they have his son, or does his son his son signed a contract in in Germany somewhere? I think I thought it was with either maybe it's with Union Berlin. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to Google that. So. Have not been following them very closely. I uh, <laughs> I followed the English Premier League relatively closely, and I followed the MLS pretty closely. But the Bundesliga, you know, I think next year when we talked about this in the last podcast, when they're on ESPN Plus, I think I'll pay attention a little bit more just because it'll be more accessible. Where on Fox, you know, they give you a couple of games a week, but on ESPN, being able to just watch all of them the way you're able to with Serie A, I, I think I'll be able to watch them a little bit more. If you like attacking soccer, the Bundesliga is where it's at. So, Nate, would Dortmund then be your European team? No, uh, Tottenham, Hotspur. Oh. Yeah, Nate. Come on. Yeah. For whatever reason, I would have guessed that. I don't know why. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I am grew up in the Northwest and decided to move to Minnesota, so I have a a knack for picking teams that get real close and then rip your heart out at the last second. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that hurts. That hurts, Nate. Uh, yeah. true. When, when James is on, we, we rip on Tottenham. And uh, I guess actually, even when Jeremy was on, Jeremy was actually the first guest of the show. He was ripping on Tottenham too, but it's <laughs> you, you right. want to know, some, know something funny. I learned recently, and this is after I picked the LG Twins. I mean, I picked them because for for the Korean Baseball League. I picked them because their names the Twins first and foremost. Most, but I found out after the fact that they are like the heartbreak team. They like they get so close every year. Like they they are a historic power that's always good, but always screws it up. And that's 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 what I'm used to. Yeah, I read like that league only has what ten or twelve teams, and I read that yeah. they haven't won since the nineties. And they're 94. from Seoul. Yeah, they're from yeah. Seoul. You know, the big city in South Korea, and they haven't won since the nineties. And there's only twelve teams. Like, right? That is ridiculous. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> it's like the Mets. They so they they actually Nate they share a stadium with the other Seoul team, the Doosan Bears, who are equated to the Yankees because they've won like half the championships. <laughs> so yes, you're right. It might be the Mets. The Mets Yankees thing does work too. Well, thank you, Nate, for joining us. Let's move on into the news. So we're going to actually dedicate an entire segment to the rumored MLS preseason tournament, but we just have a couple of notes that we're going to, we're going to offer you quick, you know, Nate, feel free to chime in if you have anything to say. I know, I know you do. First of all, MLS's new development league was just announced, and it's going to have two clubs that take place in Minnesota. So this was just shortly after COVID-19, uh, all the lockdowns started taking place, and we heard from U.S. Soccer that they were going to discontinue what was known as the Development Academy. And this is being replaced now by an MLS-run youth league of 95 clubs playing together, all the way from U13 to the U19 level. It's going to include 26 current MLS clubs, the four future MLS clubs. It has five USL clubs, and then it has 60 non-professional clubs, including one in Faribault. Yes, yeah, shout out, shout out Shattuck St. Mary Hockey Powerhouse. 
coming in here with the soccer team, huh? Oh, they're a hockey powerhouse that also does soccer. Yeah, so they they like uh, so I only know of them because like Zach Parise, if you're a, if you know hockey, right? Zach Parise, who's a member of the Minnesota Wild, Sidney Crosby went there. Um, Wayne Gretzky's kids went there. Like it's 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 this yeah this place in Faribault, the school in Faribault that just churns out D one hockey talent and pro hockey talent every year. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, they do soccer too. Okay, okay. Shat, how much do you guys know about Shattuck? Other than that, I'm not a native Minnesotan, so I didn't really actually interviewed with them uh, before I moved out here. Uh, They're an international boarding school, and they basically it's like come be come do athletics, right? You know what their reputation is for hockey, right? But that it's not just exclusively to hockey; it's like all sports or a lot of different sports. Then Nate, Uh, yeah, I mean they so back like in the run up to. United coming into MLS, they actually were housing United's Development Academy. And I don't remember the name of the coach, but it was somebody who'd been involved with the, I want to say had been involved with the NASL team, but then went down there and took over their program to work with that. But I, and I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but yeah, so they've, they've kind of had that umbrella for the last five, six years. And then I think all their, anytime you got a private school that can pick and choose, especially internationally, right. you're going to have quality, quality sports programs. They didn't like the fact that I didn't want to live in Faribault. I didn't even know what Faribault was. I was like, oh, it's a place. I was like, can I live in the Twin Cities and work there? And they're like, eh, that'd be kind of hard. They never called That's, you know, like growing up or going to high school in Farmington, Minnesota, Faribault is about like 30 minutes south of there. And we, we were, we were too, we were above going down to Faribault. That's, that's, that's how I feel about Faribault. Like we, people thought we were in the boonies. Faribault is in the boonies. So you, I think you made the right decision, Nate. Probably. <laughs> well, it, it's funny that you say that, Justin, because so I'm, I'm not from the Twin Cities. I'm from Madison, Wisconsin. And I met my wife who went to high school with Justin when we went to school at uh, UW-Eau Claire. And she said she was from Farmington, Minnesota. And all I, all she told me about Farmington, Minnesota was that they were really excited that they just got a McDonald's. And that was all I knew about Farmington, Minnesota. It was a big deal, Sam. It was it was a big deal. So when I first went to go visit her, I was expecting this little town, you know, significantly removed from the Twin Cities. And really, it's just like the town over from Apple Valley. Like, right. it's not that far away at all. And but... it's actually not that small. There's just nothing there. No. Well, it's just it's suburbia, right? Like, right. It's. There is that old town in Farmington, but the rest of it's just suburbia. Yeah, I'll I'll just never forget the, oh, we just got a McDonald's. And <laughs> <laughs> I was like, great, good, good for you guys. But yeah, anyway, so Nate, you work in youth soccer. You coach at the high school level and you coach at the club level. What kind of ripple effect do you see this having within your world? I mean, so yeah, I coach, I coach high school. I coach a U16 team. Uh, for Southeast Minneapolis, it's a smaller club in the area. And I don't necessarily see a lot of impact in the players that I work with. Um, I know that Moundsview, where I coach, Moundsview High School, um, you know, we've had a couple of kids try out for um, the DA. So I don't know, I don't know how much impact that might have long term on sort of my circle. But I'm 
feel pretty strongly that this is another attempt by uh, some in MLS to just put a stranglehold around uh, U.S. soccer development and be able to put their stamp on it. I think that in the long term, it's going to have a negative impact on the the program. I've looked at the kind of map hotspots of where these new programs are going to be located, and you're going to take out wide swaths of the country that don't have MLS teams close by, that previously when you had the states, so the state associations would run the DAs, and that you know then they could have some say about where those could be located or what clubs within the state um, could be associated with those DAs. Um, you've still got the Olympic program, um, the ODP program running in that I assume will be in states. But I mean, it's there. There's no loss of irony in the fact that within 12 hours of announcing that the DA program was going to be axed, MLS came out with their oh look we're going to run youth programs now that that was, that was pretty clearly a coordinated attempt by MLS to take that over. Nate, I, I, I noticed, you know, one of the things you're talking about, right? Like if you look at the map, it's like so much California, like there's, but there's nothing, nothing in like, you know, Montana, Wyoming, you know, all those, you know, Utah, whatever, like that, that there's that whole part of the country that isn't represented and not, not that those are like hotbeds of, of soccer. I don't know, but it's just, it's interesting to have such big portions of the country not represented in this. Well, and even Wisconsin, right? One state over relatively populated state. There is no, there is no team represented in the new MLS Academy system uh, from Wisconsin. Of, of course, at the USL level they are, but not, not at the MLS level. And I just think that it doesn't I mean, playing devil's advocate for a second to argue that the map doesn't matter. I mean, I'm not saying that the American Messi is going to come from Montana or is hiding out in, you know, West Virginia and isn't going to be discovered <laughs> because of this program. But let's be real that even if you're in, I mean, I lived in central coast, California, I was 90 miles South of San Jose for a couple of years coaching. And there were kids in that area that could really play and, could have potentially been part of ODP programs. There's no way you're going to play for a club that's 90 minutes away. That That's cost prohibitive. And it's cost prohibitive for the demographic of people that are living there. So now what you're saying is you've got to basically move if you want your kid to play ODP. So the, the pay to play aspect of it, where that comes in, and the, the regional locations of those hotspots make it prohibitive for kids that are even more regionally located towards those spots and the fact that it's privately privately operated. I mean, MLS does not have a good track record of building young players and building American youth. So what's like, what's to say that the ODP or that the DA program now being run by MLS is going to change anything. I don't see that it would because unless MLS is going to start offering playing time and competitive contracts to those 16 to 19 year old kids, there's no point for them to do that. If you're, if you're stuck at playing lower level, just playing with your age group, it's never going to change the national, the senior level national team system. There's a reason that Gio Reyna is playing at 17 at Dortmund. Um, There's a reason that Irving Holland has now been given a major contract by a major European team at 20 
and is being courted by Real Madrid and Barcelona and you name it to go play for them um, at 20 because he's right now 20 is his prime college in college as it comes into soccer is irrelevant. So, you know, the MLS teams have got to look at, okay, so now we have this and will they say, okay, we've got to get um, these players that are coming through and get them contracts. Makes sense. You know, like that's where the, that's where people are discovered, right? You know, and, and MLS is a system where guys, guys are drafted or whatever at, at 21. And it's almost like, I mean, not saying that you can't have talent at that age, right? But you've almost like missed the boat on a ton of potential. Well, yeah, we don't even exactly. have to go into the to the college schedule, but playing year round versus playing four months out of the year and being able to train for six weeks in the spring, there's no way you're going to get prepared for a professional level of play at that rate. So, Nate, do you know what the mindset is by the MLS for wanting this change? Because as you said, it this seems very coordinated. It doesn't seem like the MLS is responding to U.S. soccer. It seems like that they coordinated this together. What's the motivation there? I mean, it's that would be speculation on my part because I don't pay enough close attention to MLS news to, to get at what they might want to. But my speculation is that the DA was probably struggling and MLS said, okay, we'll come in and save it. I don't necessarily think that it was a takedown job. You've got, I mean, FC Dallas would be uh, a major example of an academy program run by an MLS team that's been widely successful nationwide um, or at the you know in national tournaments. Um, you know, Galaxy as well. Um, I just don't think that that across the board you have the investment from the teams to replace a system that was run by U.S. soccer that was truly nationwide. And so even if you get the buy-in of all of those teams and the additional locations that are going to be provided, I still don't think that it comes close to replacing what there was. Um, and when you look at from a from a fan of the game and from a, a someone who wants our national team to do well and is highly skeptical of them, I think that it's hard to have faith that, that a good – effort is being made to better the program through this move. Thank you for explaining all of that. I was telling Justin, when I originally put this into the notes, I thought that that was going to be just a 10 second little blurb. And then you had actually texted us saying, oh, I, I coach and I actually have a lot of knowledge about what's going on here. And I, I definitely have my opinions about everything. And I really appreciate you explaining all of that to us because that's an entire world that, you know, Justin and I grew up playing different sports. Justin and I didn't grow up with soccer. We fell into it as adults uh, because we really enjoyed watching it on TV. So, yeah, thank you, Nate, for explaining all of that. Just w one more thing. I've read a little bit about how some of the MLS academies were complaining that the competition of the DA was not to the level that they needed. Do you know anything about that? Do you know if there was any truth to that? The narrative that I was reading was that this was a way to increase the competition of our young players so that they would be more prepared for the MLS or for the U.S. national team. I mean, I think my response to that would be that exclusivity doesn't create competition in the, in the soccer, in the athletic world. I don't think saying, oh, we have this exclusive program that doesn't make that doesn't necessarily raise the level, the overall level, and I don't know. I have no way of evaluating that based on my experience or what I've 
my knowledge, but that would be my, my response to that based on what I do know. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, people slept on Hassani Dotson for Minnesota United, and right. he almost won Rookie of the Year. Right. In other news, Adrian Heath made just a couple of comments on how he scouts during the COVID-19 epidemic. Uh, he actually explained to Andy Greeter of the Pioneer Press, oh, Nate, this is where your English accent would come in handy, man. <laughs> but he... I'm I'm not going to butcher it. I don't want to. I don't want to do that to my friend James. I don't want to insult him. But his a- Adrian was, Heath loves a he loves a soundbite. Before you say this, like I, Adrian Heath, I think like when he thinks about what he's going to say during these these interviews, he's like, "That's going to sound good," you know. Like they're going to write this. Like, oh god, go ahead. I, he is an entertaining coach. He's so I, entertaining. I love when there's like a podcast or radio interview with him. It, it is it is great. Like I'm a diehard Green Bay Packers fan. I've never really enjoyed listening to the Green Bay Packers coaches. Wisconsin Badgers even worse. But Adrian Heath, I love listening to him talk because he just says stuff, right? He just says whatever's on whatever's on his mind. I love it. And in this quote, I couldn't have looked at any more players. They're coming out of my ears for the sort of last five or six weeks. Yeah, you're right. What a great quote coming out of his ears. So the man is scouting, right? And maybe it's Emmanuel Reynoso. It did. We got that DP spot, man. We got that DP spot. Well, and who knows? Like everyone's saying that this is not a seller's market right now, right? Because certain teams are struggling financially and they're desperate to sell. And not a lot of teams are ready to buy, but Minnesota United has an extra DP spot. And according to Adrian Heath, has money to spend on it. So maybe this is the perfect situation for us. Maybe, maybe we'll see. Uh, and, and then just in other news, and this, this actually came out today, the athletic reports that the MLS is looking to expand the 2020 MLS cup playoffs to include nine teams from each conference. So that's up from seven. It would be for this year only, but the purpose of this would be to add six games, six postseason games to boost game day revenue, as well as their television revenue. But of course, guys, this would mean that 18 out of the 26 current teams are going to qualify for the postseason. So what do you guys think so about that? So much quality, so much quality, right? When you're going to have it, Matt, they're talking about playing, an only conference schedule. So you're going to play what, maybe 18, 18 or 20 games. You're talking about putting Nashville in the East for the season. So I think it'd be 12, 12 teams in the West and 14 in the East. So you're going to, you're going to slam in a ton of conference games and then they're not going to matter because you're going to play nine of those teams are going to make the playoffs anyway. I mean, Come on. Yeah, and, and home field advantage won't matter as much because no one's actually going to be there. <laughs> right? Like yeah, true. Although, so here's the here's the thing I thought about watching the Bundesliga this weekend to go back to the start. I think that actually you will see teams like Bayern and Dortmund and you know, if the EPL puts this in, you're not gonna see the the nil-nil draw from the away team at home. I think that the crowd impact in those away matches that are tough on those top-tiered teams 
is really undervalued. And I think you're going to see that. I think without that crowd support, it's going to be a, it's going to be a lot harder for teams to just pack it in and park the bus against teams, against better teams and get results. I think that, that what could be a, a zero, zero draw or one, nothing home win from a minnow is going to be a, a one or two, nothing away win. that's my hypothesis. Okay. And I, I think I think I agree exactly with you, Nate. I think that's going to be the case in all sports across the board. I mean, there's no like the home field advantage is such an important thing. And I know, like, I mean, obviously, like some sometimes not so much, but I think I think it is a very valuable thing. And I think that a lot of a lot of away teams that are going to be that are the better team are going to use that to their advantage, not having that home crowd. I do think it's interesting on that on that MLS line that. Ali Bedoya was quoted as saying, we're essentially prisoners. They're, they're sending us <laughs> down there. They're paying, they're chopping our pay and they're sending us down to Orlando to stay in these hotels for two months as glorified prisoners. How's it? In, talk, talk, in about, luxurious talk about quotables. Talk about quotables. We, these past two months, we've uh, heard a lot of overreactions and I guess uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll add that to there, but let's not get ahead of ourselves because Let's explain what this Orlando tournament looks like. So this is our big news story that we're discussing today. And actually, just a couple hours before recording this, we received just a ton more details about what this is going to look like. So as of now, it appears that in June, all 26 MLS teams are going to be heading into Orlando and they're going to be staying at Disney World for about two months. So it's going to be Vacation. like a third graders dream, right? <laughs> so remember that paper you wrote in third grade about my dream vacation or like my dream life, like I'm going to live in Disney World. Well, the MLS players, this is their reality and not all of them are actually psyched about it, but you know, whatevs. So all 26 teams right now are scheduled to arrive at Disney World on June 1st. So then there's going to be three weeks of practice after that, all housed in uh, Disney's facilities. So week one, they're quarantined and they're training individually. So no interactions. Week two, now they're allowed to do some small group training. And then only in week three does the full team training that the players are used to finally occur. And then that's when the tournament starts. The tournament tentatively scheduled to begin June 22nd, and then will run for the next four or five weeks. But what this all means, guys, is that 1,000 players and staff are in Orlando for around two months without any of their family members. And then all of them are being tested at least twice a week. So you guys can kind of see why some people are loving this. Like, yeah, I get to play again. Or fans saying, yeah, I finally something I can watch. But this also, that this isn't just a small inconvenience, right? To just move to Orlando for two months. We have some potential problems here. The obvious advantage of just hosting everything in Orlando is in the United States, you see that no one agrees on anything right now. So if the MLS was to have people play at their home stadiums, well, now you you have to go by local and state law 
which is going to be different in every place. Going to Orlando, you're just going by Florida law, which my impression is you can do anything down there. (laughs) Good old Florida, right? Another problem you have is the two tests a week for about a thousand people over the course of eight weeks. Justin, you want to do that math or should I just keep going? It's a lot of tests. That's what we're going to say. A lot of tests. <laughs> a lot of tests. Thanks, math teacher. But then I, I, I don't even know. Guys, what happens if someone actually tests positive during that? And I guess we're, we're playing the wait and see with the Bundesliga. We can kind of see what happens if someone in the Bundesliga tests positive and how the rest of the league reacts. But if all MLS players, if all 1,000 MLS players and staff are in the same resort and one of them tests positive, what happens? Yeah, it's gonna be that's gonna be interesting. I don't I, I I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you know, I guess the hope is that this all this excessive test and it's not excessive. It needs to happen, right? The testing needs to happen frequently as possible. But the hope is that that you if yes, does someone does somehow test positive, um, hopefully that it's easier to trace it, right? Because it's such a like a you know, everything's kind of centralized in this one location. Sure. But yeah, yeah, so like anyone that rode Splash Mountain from 12.30 to 2.30 has to quarantine. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, but they were talking about it. The interesting thing, and I had to flip around because I had, I don't subscribe to The Athletics, so I had to read your screenshotted version. Thank you for sending that. That, that never <laughs> happened. Yeah. Feel free to cut that out, Sam. That we're, we're <laughs> I would never do that if we weren't about to record a show. Right? There you go. So... You know, the interesting thing is they're talking about testing all the players twice a week. They're not talking about testing, or at this point, they're saying that they're not necessarily going to test all of the hotel staff. So you don't have a secure system. I mean, I think the, you know, to the better, I don't know all of the details of the Bundesliga system. I think it's interesting that there were politicians that were commenting on the certain player behaviors and it didn't happen in the Dortmund game, but there were some other games where players were celebrating together and stuff like that. And so they had these rules that they had hashed out that then weren't being followed. And, you know, there were, there's some potential um, political recourse, but I think the, the better comparison would be uh, to UFC talking about, you know, sending all these people to an Island and they train on the Island and they compete on the Island and then they they can go wherever they want to, right? But for the purposes of making the training happen, um, you know, they're all in one place. The problem is you're no longer on an island if all of the support staff within the resort are coming and going as they please, and you cannot tr- you can't possibly track all of them. So, you know, to to say, yeah, is it? I mean, I I think to ask as a fan, is it? Am I in favor of? Am I so starved for soccer that I want my favorite athletes. I want my favorite soccer players. I want my team to go, you know, confine themselves for two months just so I can watch soccer. That's a question to ask. It's another question to say, do I want them to go put themselves at risk because they're not actually in a secure environment because the hotel staff aren't being quarantined as well. Um, so they're not actually on an Island and now they're all together. I mean, there's a rabbit hole you can go down with all of that and it's not a good one. Um, but I think that the league has to look at, you know, what is in the best interest of the people that are involved in this situation, not what is in the best interest of the dollar signs that are involved with the situation. And right now it seems like the decisions that they're making are trying to recoup the dollar signs 
and they don't necessarily involve the uh, humanity. And I, I agree with you completely, Nate. I, I think that we often get confused to think that these athletes are like, like they're kind of like robots, right? Like all they do is play the sport, but there's the human element. And that's not like, that's not being, you know, like we need to understand that they're, they're putting themselves in harm's way. And they're also like, they're also putting themselves in a really tough situation. I understand that it's their job, but to, to get quarantined away from your, your loved ones and the people you care about, or just even like normalcy of your life, you know, just for the sake of sport, you know, I get that this is, you know, they're being paid to do this and I get that, but I think sometimes, and that that's, I guess that's the issue, I guess, sometimes with fandom is that we side when it comes down to it. That's what, I mean, it makes me nervous and we, we you don't have to get too political about this, but I feel like, you know, like I, I, I feel like people will tend to side on the ownership with that because they just want sports, but like you need to take a step back and think about the fact that these are human beings. And would you do the same thing for your job? You know, like would I want to live in a hotel and go teach my students, you know, and not get to see my wife, not get to do other things. And I just, I just, I go from, from the school to the hotel back and forth. Like I wouldn't want to do that, you know? So I think that, 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 the players need to this this has to be something whatever is planned whatever is decided needs to be something that they support um predominantly yeah and it it reads that the players union actually is going to have a lot of say in this over where whether or not this actually happens you see this in major league baseball as well is that it seems like every Every week we have a different plan about how Major League Baseball is going to return. And then you hear that there are disputes between their players union and the league about what's going to actually happen. I agree with uh, everything you guys are saying. And I agree that this doesn't seem like something I would necessarily be thrilled about if I was an MLS player. I guess the only way I could be devil's advocate is what about... So we're hearing a lot of criticism about this plan from Chicharito, Nanny. What if you're, you know, what if you're Ethan Finley? And, you know, I know Ethan Finley is our player rep and he probably has a lot to say about this and I don't want to put any words in his mouth. But Ethan Finley makes a salary that the three of us here would love. But he only gets to make it for a few more years. So does an athlete like that is he motivated to get back out on the field in ways that Chicharito possibly isn't in ways that Carlos Vela possibly isn't like, what, what do we think about that, about that player that knows that this isn't forever. They need to make their, they need to make their paycheck while they can. I, I get what you're saying, Sam, but I guess, I guess my, my counter argument to that, would be that they only get this window to do this, right? And I understand that you know, like obviously, like you're older in age or whatever, like your your window is shrinking. But you know, we don't we don't know. Well, we do know, right? There's some scientific evidence that shows that 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 contracting COVID nineteen wrecks your lungs, right? Like that it has lasting permanent effects on your lungs. And I mean, of all the sports, like this soccer has to be yeah. soccer has to be the one that 
you know, soccer, swimming, whatever, like, you know, like these ones that are just cardio intensive sports, you know, like Ethan, like that, Ethan, shout out Ethan Finlay if you're listening, but like, I, I, I heard he listens regularly, <laughs> but, but they're going to shrink their windows even more if they do that, you know, like if, if they lose their lung functionality, I mean, these guys, well, like, this done. is their livelihood. Their fitness is so key. Yeah. Then, then they're done. And, and again, we have no idea what Ethan Finley actually thinks about this. That was first name that came to my mind because he's awesome. Well, and let's talk about the guy who's earning league minimum, who's trying to make it. You know, let's talk about the guys that are fresh out of college and and looking at potentially missing out on a you know a chunk of their revenue over the next few years while they're still you know battling to actually make it in this as a as a, and have a career. Uh, much less make, you know, Ethan Finley or, you know, Chicharito level, you know, salaries. But I don't know what the figures are on the new, you know, collective bargaining agreement. But I know, you know, as recently as a couple of years ago, you're talking about, you know, less than the average income for entry level players. And so for those guys not playing, not making a hundred percent of their salary um, is certainly a, has got to be a consideration for them. But I think the health thing too, I mean um, I read a figure that, you know, you can with COVID that you could lose permanent damage, 25% of your lung capacity. I mean, that's career ender. If you're a soccer player, that's career ender. If you're just about any athlete. So I think, you know, the, the question that we have to be weighing is, um, that with so many unknowns is, is it worth the risk? And are you, are you willing to jeopardize your livelihood? And I mean, I play, I'm a rec soccer player, whatever. Right. But that's something that I'm passionate about. And I gain a lot of, a lot of joy out of losing 25% of my lung capacity permanently and not being able to, to play, you know, rec soccer again. That gives me pause when I'm thinking about whether or not I'd want to step on the field this year. Or next year and i'm 36 so you know time's a wasting <laughs> let's move into the format that it's looking like this possible orlando tournament is going to take place in so again this came out just a couple hours ago so we're we're lucky that we're recording this on thursday night because this came out thursday afternoon uh, courtesy of the athletic so we have four groups so similar to, you know, a World Cup style tournament, we have four groups. Those are going to be divided two uh, per Western Conference and two for the Eastern Conference. So the Western Conference has two groups. One group is going to automatically feature Seattle because they are the MLS Cup champions. And the next group is going to automatically include LAFC because they won the Supporter Shield. Then the remaining 10 teams are randomly drawn into those two groups. Of course, the top two teams from each group are the ones who ad who advance to the knockout stage. Then the Eastern Conference is going to look very similar, except for one group is going to have six and the other group will have eight. And of course, one of those groups also get Nashville. Atlanta, they are automatically put into one group because they won the US Open Cup. And Orlando is automatically separated because they are the hosts. So then the remaining 12 teams 
are randomly assorted into those two groups. And again, the top two from each group advance to the knockout stage. Where things are less clear is that all we know is that the results of this tournament will have some impact on the regular season table. But it's not known if there's an additional prize for those who advance into the knockout stages or you know who are eventually crowned champion. So guys, what I'm asking is, what are your thoughts on this? Is this enough to make you care? Will this actually be an exciting cup? Or is this going to be more like that International Champions Cup that comes to American cities every year that even Tottenham found a way to win? Like, are we actually going to care? Like, are you invested in your team winning this? What do you guys think? What do you think, Nate? You go first. I think it's interesting that Orlando, I mean, I can, in looking, you've got Seattle who won MLS Cup. You have LAFC, who in two years has been one of the more prolific regular season teams. Uh, We won't talk about their playoff history because they have none. And then uh, Atlanta, who has also come in and won an MLS Cup and and performed strongly. But then you have Orlando, who's done absolutely nothing since coming to the league, besides come from a 2-0 deficit to a crappy Portland team uh, to beat them at home 3-2. I'm a Timbers fan. What can I say? Got it. (laughs) Um, but like, so I, I understand, okay, you're going to give Orlando an automatic bid, but like, if you're the Red Bulls or if you're, I mean, I don't know that it necessarily means anything, but if you're the Red Bulls or if you're Columbus or NYCFC, even, I mean, you gotta be Toronto. You gotta be saying, are you kidding me? I could get drawn in a group of death with, you know, Atlanta and Chicago and, you know, all of these top-notch <laughs> teams. I think that I think the politics of uh, giving the the host team the automatic berth are just incredible here. Well, and then one of the groups has six. The other group has eight. So you go from having a, you know, 33% chance of advancing to a 25% chance of advancing, depending on what group you're drawn into, which I get the luck of the draw, but if you could just have, because if you're in a group of, eight, you're not playing every single team anyway. So why not just have a, two groups of seven and not play every single team anyway? I, that part doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it either. I mean, Orlando's not very good, you know, and and why give them the benefit just because they happen to be, you know, the the, the city that's hosting this just out of sure you know, like just luck of being in Florida, right? Because Florida's the wild, wild west right now. I don't think they deserve it. I don't think they're going to, they're probably not even going to win their group anyway. Right. So like, why do they need to get special treatment? But. It depends on who they place in there. What if, what if they get line? What if they are in the group of six and they get like Nashville, Cincinnati. Yeah. They get Nashville <laughs> and Cincinnati. Like, that's true. You're right. That's a possibility. Hey, Cincinnati's got a new coach. Oh yeah. <laughs> you guys see that? We, they, sorry for the interlude, but they, their uh, club Twitter feed welcomed their new coach. And I can't remember his <laughs> name, um, but they had a picture of some random bald guy. Yeah. Was supposed oh, to be the coach, but they got it wrong. And so everybody was, you know, responding, you know, since you know, doesn't know what they're talking about. And they actually had, you know, a sense of humor with saying, Oh, he's our, here's our real coach <laughs> with the correction. But I, I want to know if they just Googled, like bald soccer or something. I don't know. Cause like how, cause the guy that they, the guy that they put in the picture, 
Like I looked it up and he is not notable. Like it's not like he he's like he I looked on it like I, I he doesn't have a Wikipedia. So in my book, right, that means he must not be important. He also just he like every article that it's just he he is he's a coach at the youth level for IX, right? So like it mat he matters to them, right? But like how on earth did FC Cincinnati decide to use this picture? I and Nate, you're right. It's great. It's if you scroll through the if you scroll through the comments on the Twitter post, the new one, it's all these different MLS teams with their own bald guy. Uh, I think Jason Statham's in there, you know, <laughs> like just <laughs> Mr. Clean made an appearance. Yeah, of course he did. <laughs> I mean, like, oh man! Back to the back to the tournament. I mean, I was a little tongue in cheek with my initial comment, but in all seriousness, I think you know it's tough with twenty six teams. What do you do? Right? How do you how do you balance? And you know, to be honest, I think I had talked over with some friends when you know the the first couple of weeks of the season were lost, and we knew we were going to lose a couple of months, and so it's like, what do we do? And I'm like, man, put together a regional tournament where you still get the rivalry matches and it actually means something and then have those teams come out of that, you know, into a national, you know, knockout tournament. I think you've got to, you want to do that and, and knock it down to groups of four. I mean, it's tough with 26 teams. Again, it'd be great if they only had 24, but MLS wants to keep expanding. Uh, But, you know, get those regional rivalries in, make them mean something, uh, have Timbers and Sounders have, I don't know who the loons rival is because <laughs> they're so new, you know, have them play SKC three times, whatever, you know, have, have do, you know, do those kinds of games where you're, you're featuring, you know, if nothing else manufactured hate between these teams and it gives fans something to care about. And then the teams can come out and go to the knockout stage. But I think having these massive groups where you're playing, a few games, but you you may or may not play everybody in your group. I just think that that sets it up to be that sets it up to be really tough to get fan investment. Yeah, I just can't figure out as as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to watch it just at very least because there's nothing else on, and you know, I I typically watch the Loons preseason games. I'm just wondering, like, what is the incentive for the full strength squad to play? Like, what is the incentive to put Ozzy Alonso, Ike Opara, you know, the, those guys who are, you know, getting up there in age and maybe you don't, maybe you want to space out the amount of games that they play, especially knowing that you have a congested season coming up. Are you playing those guys or are you just rotating in your bench guys like you do in the opening rounds of the U.S. Open Cup? If we're going all out, I'm all excited for this. They say it's a World Cup format. I love the World Cup, right? Like, I love a good group stage and a knockout stage. Like, that sounds awesome. But then the fact that the winner of this competition isn't necessarily the champion, you just get some points into your regular season table. I'm thinking, well, how many points? Like, is it just three right. points? Or is it is it like 10 points? Like, what what's going on here? I'm excited. I'm intrigued. But I'm also a little bit skeptical here because Minnesota United was in the U.S. Open Cup final last year and we were watching it and we were excited about it. But it wasn't even on the real ESPN. It was on ESPN+. <laughs> Plus. So what kind of tournament is this? Is this the kind of tournament that even Tottenham gets to win? I don't know. 
<laughs> I, I think I think it has to have substantial points. You know, it has to be it has to be something that's going to be really that's really going to move the needle. But I guess like you know, I guess that also goes with the fact that what nine teams are nine teams are going to make the playoffs from each side. You know, so what a points what a points mean anyway, right? Right. Yeah. Like, um, why not just start the why not just start the playoffs now? <laughs> you know, I think I think they're just banking on the fact that people want something, you know, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe the idea that you get to play more games, you get more training essentially, right? You get the game time situation with your players, but then again, right, the more you play your first team players, the more risk for injury, you know, that's going to hurt real games in the future. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to it, to the question. <laughs> and again, they keep referring to this as a preseason tournament, which people are concerned about are these three weeks of training. And, you you know, I mentioned the first week, you're not even allowed next to anyone else. The second week, you're only allowed next to a few other people. You really only have one actual week of full team training. Is this why they keep calling it a preseason tournament is because it, it is preseason. It is a second preseason. And in that case, do you really want to make a lot of points be on the line here when your teams aren't actually prepared to be, you know, fighting all out for those points. I don't know. I'm to me, I guess I'm a little bit confused about why we're making it matter if it shouldn't matter. Kind of like the MLB All-Star game, like you put the home field advantage on the line, you know, even even though like does does it really mean anything if it's just an exhibition game? All right. Moving on. Let's keep it going, yeah. Let's keep it going. Keep it going. <laughs> 